Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week we began a series on different times and places in the Gospel of Mark where people are afraid. The reason we're doing this is because of Easter. The Easter reading in Mark, the end of it, the women have come to the tomb, they find Jesus is not there, the stone has been rolled away, the angel tells them Christ is risen, and they run away in fear. They run away afraid. We want to tell them, don't be afraid. We want them instead to go tell the disciples joyfully that Christ is alive. But they run away in fear. And it's a bit of a puzzle as to why Mark presents it that way. They run away afraid and tell no one what they had seen. So our hypothesis is, if we look at the different places in Mark where people were afraid, and we learn from those instances, we might understand better what the Holy Spirit, through Mark, is trying to tell us about Easter, about these women and their encounter with Christ, and what we should take away from that reading when we come to the day when we rejoice about the resurrection of our Lord. Last week we heard how the disciples were afraid in the boat, but not because of the storm. They were afraid because Christ Jesus had the power with his own words to still the wind and the sea, and they recognized they were in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. And we have something similar in our reading today. Jesus steps out of the boat, and immediately there comes to him this man. And he has a legion of demons in him. You think about it, what is a demon? A fallen angel, right? One angel, how much power does an angel have? Can you measure that? Very, very strong. Mighty beyond our knowing. Mighty beyond our power. A single angel, correct? And a fallen demon having tremendous power, not as great a power as a holy angel, but greater still than us if we were not in Christ. This man had not just one of them, but a legion. A legion is known as a thousand, correct? Up to a thousand demons in one man. What type of torture must he have known? What kind of horrible existence must this man have had? Not just one angel created by God with great power who then turned to wickedness and knew how to use that power to torture with a fine uh, cruelty that we cannot even begin to imagine experiencing. But a thousand of them all doing that. It's like a great chorus of torture in this man. Voices rising together in writhing agony inside his mind so that he is out there in the fields and out there amongst the tombs. A tomb is no place for a living man to sleep. A tomb is where a dead man sleeps. The last little bit of sanity that this man had in the midst of his torture was to say, I wish I were dead. I would rather be in that tomb free from this than to live one more moment in this agony, this torture, this twisted 
cruelty from these demons. And yet, day after day, he survives. So he goes about the hills and he finds rocks and he wants to beat himself to end his existence. But he can't. Because part of the cruelty of this legion is to make sure he survives because they want to stay where they're at. They're happy. When you see someone like this in that, ex- in that kind of existence, it makes somebody horrified that such a thing could happen within a human being. And so the people in the village would look at him and would say, oh my goodness, we've got to do something. This guy is tortured. I can't set him free but if at least we could bind him so that he can't go and beat himself up with rocks and come in with bruises and cuts if he wasn't out there amongst the dead maybe things would get a little better for him and so they find the biggest strongest guys in town and they'd go out there and they'd tackle him and they'd bind him and they'd tie him up but he had so much strength that eventually Nobody could handle him anymore. He had so much strength, no rope was enough to bind him. A strength that reminds us of Samson. Breaking apart these ropes. Breaking apart these chains. But he's not free once he breaks apart the ropes or chains. He's still tortured. If you can look at any human being described in the Bible, other than the moment when Christ is on the cross bearing the sins of the world in his flesh, I think you could look at this man and say he had the worst of the worst of the worst experiences of anybody. Right? And so Jesus steps out of the boat. Now this man does what? He immediately runs Not away from Jesus, but to Jesus. But he doesn't run to Jesus to say, help me. He has no voice left of his own. He cannot say, Jesus, please cast these demons out because this is a really awful existence. He has no voice of his own. These demons come to him because they recognize that he is God. And as we heard, every knee before Jesus, every knee will bow, right? In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. So these demons are recognizing God Almighty, Yahweh, just stepped out of the boat and they have to be there because of his power, his might, his glory, his dominion. They have no choice but to be there and kneel. Even though they hate God, even though they hate Christ, even though they hate all that he made, they still have no ability to do anything else than to come and kneel before Christ, who is God. That is something that is a theme from our reading, along with our reading last week, right? The fact that this man comes and kneels before Jesus should make anybody standing around him recognize who is This man, Jesus, before whom this man filled with demons would stop and bow. Right? Shouldn't that make you a little bit 
afraid. Not just of the man, not just of his torture, not just of his agony, but who in the world could come in and just step out of the boat and there he is on his knees, right? That should tell you who you're dealing with. And so Jesus begins to say, come on out of the guy. But there's so many of them, they begin to have a conversation. And now if this conversation is just eerie, creepy, they don't want to go. And Jesus says, what is your name? And these demons do not speak as many individuals, like a thousand different angels, or it's demons saying, well, my name's this, and my name's that, and my name's that. It is, we are legion. An organized group united on torture. What a horrible thing to hear. It is a horrible thing to hear how the agents of Satan can gather together and cause pain. And this word right there gives you an understanding of what Satan is like. When a legion of his demons join together and bring horrible things into existence in the world. Whether it's horrible things like abortion and what it does to people, or whether it's horrible things like drug addiction and what it does to people, or horrible tortures that people do unto themselves. Underlying each of these wickedness is the power of the evil one. What is your name? We are legion. My name is Legion, for we are many. They don't want to leave the area. This is a bit puzzling for us. Now, Jesus is Lord. He knows what he's doing. So off into the pigs they want to go. How many pigs were there? 2,000 pigs. It's a big herd of pigs. What were the pigs doing there? Were there supposed to be pigs in this area? Supposed to be part of the Holy Land. They're not supposed to have 2,000 pigs. So all of these pigs are there on the hillside, fragrant the way pigs always are, noisy the way pigs always are. And they say, send us into the pigs, and they go. Now imagine for a moment you've got one pig per demon. How many of the pigs go down into the water? All 2,000. Gives you an idea of what this man was experiencing. Now, think for a moment. There are different moments described in the Bible that are just so understated to us, but if you use your mind and think what that must have been like, imagine for a moment you were there with the 12, there with Jesus, there with this man. He now is set free from these demons, and he is, we can't even imagine the peace that he had. But all of a sudden, you're not thinking and noticing that. You're thinking of 2,000 pigs that squeal and scream in terror. You ever heard a pig squeal like that at the fair? Right? And all of them turn and run down the hillside. Where do they run? Down to the river. Do pigs like to swim? 
No, they don't. They don't want to go down into the water, and yet they rush right out into the water because whatever it is that's now in them is so horrible, existence is not an option. Into the water they go. Swimming they go. Drowning they go. And all of a sudden, after the noise and the dust and the screaming and the screeching and the splashing, there's 2,000 floating corpses in the water. Now imagine you got to watch that. And now you've seen a little bit of what Satan is like. It's horrible. Horrible. And Mark is writing Peter's account and and there's such a, a aspect of being there and being overwhelmingly horrified by what he had seen. And you can sense it in the text, can't you? But you know what's amazing? That's not what the point where the fear comes in. We might feel afraid and rightly understanding, but that's not where the text comes in and says that anybody was afraid. The herdskeepers see all of this, hear all of this, and they turn and they run into the city and they come into the town and they tell everybody all the pigs are dead and all of them went out and drowned. It was just horrible. And so these people are probably a lot of the folks who own the pigs and they want to come out and find out what's going on with my pigs. I got a lot of money sunk into these pigs. And where they get afraid is they come up and they find this man who was known to be so broken, so tortured by Satan, so filled with pain, wrath, rage, strength, and horridness. And he's sitting there with clothes on. And he's in his right mind. And this man who had been tortured for so long is now able to greet you and say good morning. He's able to shake your hand. He's able to have a conversation with you. He's able to speak your name. He knows his own name again. He's able to tell you that he's been set free. And he's able to tell you that it was Jesus, this man here, who had done it. That this man had the power to cast out all of those demons. They see him whole again. And that's what made them afraid. They saw a man set free. And they recognized only God could do that. And if only God can do that, and this guy is the guy who did that, then this one must be God. And they were afraid as if Moses standing in the presence of the burning bush. They were afraid, like Nebuchadnezzar, seeing one like the Son of God walking around in the fiery furnace. They were afraid because they were standing in the presence of Yahweh. Because only Yahweh could do that. Now that should tell us something about Easter. Those women ran away in fear. They were recognizing Jesus was doing something only Yahweh could do. 
though they had known him as their Lord and they had worshipped him as their Savior, though they had trusted in him to give them eternal life, that open tomb, that empty tomb, it showed them that he could do something that blew their minds and they were afraid beautiful in a sense to have that kind of fear because when you have that kind of fear Jesus is dealing with something in you that needs dealt with that only he can deal with just like the people in the boat just like this man in the tombs and what happens then he then dresses you like we heard in our epistle reading he dresses you not with uh, a robe just regular clothes, he dresses you with the robes of Christ's righteousness, washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's what this man was now wearing. That's what you are wearing. You are cleansed. You are forgiven. And when Satan comes to rage and threaten you, when he sent, threatens to send a legion to take care of you, when he threatens to put this kind of horrible existence into you, you need not be afraid because Christ has clothed you and made you his own. Christ has driven him out and will not let him back in. Christ has set you free. And Satan is the one who truly fears Jesus. He won't stay around when Jesus tells him to go. That's beautiful to have that kind of freedom. And I think what Mark is telling us here is to recognize how much power is in this person, Jesus, and how much we need him to use that to save us. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.